day, everyone. Welcome back to the ATL podcast. I am your host, Matt B. Davis. Very excited to bring you today's episode with Mike Geyer, who you may know as Big Mike, and you may have seen somewhere in the vicinity of Puddles. The reason Mike is on the show is that recent guest Kevin Kinney of Driving and Crying, one of my favorite episodes of all time, uh, I got to go to that show at the Coca-Cola Roxy, and he said, let me introduce you to Puddles. And we walked over, and we met him, and we said hi. Well, he doesn't really say anything. Uh, so we communicated, uh, as Puddles does, and then he he did type in a phone number for me to type, and uh, this guy, Mike, is the one who answered. And so we kind of talk about that right away, wanted to uh, find out how all that worked with Puddles and with Mike, two dudes, as you'll find out, doing what two dudes do. And I really don't want to say much else other than thank you so much for listening, those of you that have been listening and checking in. And please don't be afraid to drop a note here on Instagram. I just said here on Instagram as if you're listening on Instagram. Drop a note on Instagram, ATL Podcast. Uh, But let's get into it. Let's get into me and Mike. Away we go. So we got to lay the the ground rules down here, Mike. I'm I'm talking to Mike. We're we're obviously going to talk about puddles. Right. So... Are there, what are the rules, man? I don't. I <laughs> There's no rules. Puddles is puddles, and I'm Mike. I'm Mike. I'm Mike. Okay. We're, we're two dudes, right? Doing what two dudes do. <laughs> One of them. Oh, now, I'm, but we're also two dudes. You and I doing what two dudes They're do. They're both. God, this echo is going to annoy me, but I think we're fine. Um, I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to just. We could do a walk and talk. Have you ever done a walk and talk podcast like on the West Wing, where you just walk around? Well, I see. I'm through halls. Well, I'm I'm more of an SVU and Law and Order guy, and they oh, yeah. do a lot of walk and talks. Lots of walk and talks. So they for, do it in Game of Thrones too. Oh, I was like, they is, love a walk and talk. This is like straight out of West Wing. Well, are you a Law and Order guy? Are you a Law and Order guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Well, when you so when the murder or whatever happens, right? The first person they have to talk to is the waiter or the guy at the garage, or whoever. And he has to be. He can't just talk to them. It's always... He's a working man. Right, so he's checking things off. He comes in here all the time while you're fixing the glasses. Or, yeah, last week, Bob, you know, it's, they're always mm. doing something. Yeah. So that's, that's, kind of, that's more of like a work and talk. So you don't forget that they're the bartender or the mechanic. Well, well right. Who is this guy again? Oh, he's the mechanic, because right. he's underneath of a car. Right, well, but he's walking back and forth, and yeah. there's always like, okay, Francine. You know, there's always, yeah. right? And then there's the long walk and talk where they, where they discuss things. But, uh, but the things you have in common is you're both 6'8"? Uh, we are. <laughs> uh, well, I've never measured puddles myself. Some people say he's seven feet tall. I don't know where they got well, that. Well, I think it's nice to say, hey, big fucking seven feet, sad, tall clown. Yeah. And it's, it's easy. And, and you can curse. Are you from Pittsburgh? No. Are you from Puddles Town? <laughs> He's you, wearing a hat with a P on it. Right. It's actually from Portland. Okay. A, a friend sent it to me, and I, I love that it always asks the question. It's, it always gets the question. Hey, Pittsburgh. I'm like, no. Like, what's the P for? Well, I mean, now it's pretty obvious what the P is for. Yeah. After I said Pittsburgh, I was like, oh, well, duh. What's funny, we're in Pittsburgh. We are in Pittsburgh Yards. Yeah. Which most people in Atlanta, by the way, welcome to the Atlanta podcast where you have no, most of you listening probably don't know where Pittsburgh is, uh, but this is it. It's a, it's a neighborhood in the West End. It's between West End and whatever, or Adair Park and whatever's on that side. Yeah, I'm East Side. Right? Uh, Myself. Where did you, where were you born? What town were you born in, sir? I was born in Philadelphia. 
Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. So you were, okay. <laughs> it sounds so nice, they named it Philadelphia. Are that's you going to try all your really old material on me? No, that's actually, I just thought that one up <laughs> just now. You got new material today. So uh, what did... I, I was born in Philly, but I grew up in Richmond, Virginia. Okay. And what did high school Mike want to be or do? Do you remember? Um, the sensible Mike wanted to be a landscape architect. Okay. And a veterinarian. But there was always the, uh, there was always the dream of being a performer of some sort. I used to do this funny thing. <laughs> when, I was a, when I was a teen, like a young teenager, I would sit and have mock interviews, like sit with myself and have mock interviews as if I was, uh, I don't, I don't know, even know what I was. Like Carson? Thinking I was going to be, well, like just an interview for a magazine. At that time, it would have been magazines, Rolling right. Stones, People. things like that. You know, some kind of magazine. Right. There was none of this podcasting. And um, I always had a British accent because I was being interviewed in, in the UK because I've been living there for so long, I picked up the accent. <laughs> oh, that was the, that must have been what, you're, what it was like. Yeah, so I'm, I fast forward, in my mind, I'm fast forward into the future, right? you know, and I'm being interviewed by some magazine. They right. say, well, you were born in America, and you have a British accent. Well, I've been living here so long. But how you would know. you actually say it? Uh, how, well, I, With how, the British, I want to hear your good or bad oh, British come accent. come on, don't make me do that. Oh, no, stop it, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> stop it, you get. Um, so, uh, yeah, so... So some perform performance in some way, I came from a big family, you know, with, I had two brothers and four sisters and it was loud and every day, it was like a performance just to get supper. You know? I have three older sisters. Mm. I cannot imagine you had four older sisters mm -hmm. and two younger or older brothers. A younger brother and an older brother. Okay. So you're almost the end. Almost at the end. I'm the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. Uh, are other people in your family almost a giant, but not quite? Or did you? All stand my sisters are six feet tall. Okay. Yeah, and uh, my brother. Uh, I have a younger brother who's six four, and an uh, older brother is a mysterious height. Okay. And I never measured him. Okay. My brother and I. Measured, you didn't do the thing against the wall like we all do. I don't do? recall that. I don't remember. That would have been some dirty walls in our house, because everybody's growing so fast. I mean, I grew six inches in a summer one time. Wow. So that would have been really marked up. I mean, the, the house was obviously, it was filthy. A bunch of giant, crazy people can really do a number on a house. Um, so when you say entertainer, did you, did you know or think, did anybody tell you you have, oh, you have really nice pipes. You have a nice singing voice. No, my mother did a little bit. Um, and she would, actually, she would say, oh, I always wanted to be a singer. My mother did. Right. And in later years, she joined the Sweet Adelines. You know what that is? Uh, it sounds like a group like of a singing. small choir, but kind of barbershop quartet-like. Right. But it's always Sweet Adelines. It's always, uh, I think it's pretty sure it's always women. But, but, but did people, did anybody else notice? You know how kids are. They'll, even if you're good at something, like, don't get ahead of yourself. Or, you know, there's always somebody there to knock you down a peg. Right. So, but no one... Uh, you know, until I really wanted to pursue it, there was always this, that's, that's good. You should have a backup plan. You know how people will say that? You want to pursue this thing? Of even course. If you're, even if you're good at it. Of course. 
My parents were the same way. They did not support my artistic endeavors. The people that are closest to you. I know. Will, it sucks. Will, cut, will bring you down. No, and I don't think it's intentional. I think they're in, just in, inherently concerned. They'll, they'll see how, if, it, how it won't work. Well, if you tell me it's not intentional, then I have to forgive my mother for all her shortcomings. Why would I want to do that when I can yeah. walk around with all this resentment? <laughs> well, you could. Well, if it feeds your creativity, by all means. Does it feed your creativity? I'm turning the tables on you. That's fine. I'm asking the hard questions. This is, well, this is a conversation. Um, that's why, you know, I have people sometimes that will be like, will you send me the questions in advance? And I'm like, well, what fucking fun would that oh. be? Right? What, what fun would that be? You could send a robot in your stead. Exactly. I was born in... I... Well, there's... So I did stand up once upon a time and that was a thing like, oh, well, if you, if I became happy, could I possibly be funny? Right. There's always that right. thing. It's like, sure. could, could, could great art come from, it's like, it seems to come from pain, right? Or struggle. Okay. And struggle isn't necessarily pain. It's not necessarily struggle. You can be, you can be relatively content and happy through the struggle process. Right. You don't have to be unhappy. Yeah, because I'm pretty happy now. Like I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm much. I have a lot much. I have a lot more serenity in my life now than I ever did, and I think I'm. I'm a still. I think yeah. I'm. And look at you! You're killing it. I'm killing it. You're here killing the game man. in Pittsburgh yards. Uh, but you, you say entertainer, so you weren't sure if it was. Gonna... I wasn't sure because there was a lot of entertainment uh, examples when I was a kid. I grew up. I mean, the bulk of my my formidable years would have been the '80s. That's when I really, I'm the, la- I was, I'm the last of the boomers. I was born in 64. Oh, wow. Yeah, now everybody knows. Uh-oh. Um, I was going to guess you were my age because you, you look like you're here clean shaven. Yeah. Right? I shaved for you today. I did. I showered and shaved. I showered and also shaved. I usually do those things. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I thought you'd be like, I'm, I'm going to be 51 in a couple of months, yeah. which is a shock to me. Can I ask you, can I ask you like... Can I make it about me for a minute? Yeah, yeah, please do. All the ages, you always feel like, oh, I didn't think this would be what it would like, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Now I just went to my fake English accent. Like, of course you feel that way. Oh, no. Oh, I turned 50. I just, you know. I was like, chief up. Like, of course you think like a that. Twat. You think that at 30 and 35 and 40. and You think that at all of them. But I'm telling you, when I turned 50, something switched in me. I'm telling you, it was, I don't know if it was my actual birthday, but this thought overcame me, which was, you are 100% closer to the end than the beginning. Yeah. So now tell me, what's that like between... I'm way closer to the end than you are. Right, but has that dread gone away? Because it's a little dread-like for me. You know, it's these little little realizations. Things are hurt to feel different. You You know, physically, things feel different. But I have to say, uh, I am hitting my, I think, the apex of what I'm capable of doing in terms of my, my creativity. I'm being guided by less superficial things to do the things that I want to do, which is liberating. You know what I mean? Of course. It's like I, I don't really... I do care what people think, but just not as much as I used to. I used to, not, I used to really not care... Uh, what people thought, but I used to wear that as a sort of a badge. So it was that was even f- kind of phony. Like I don't care what you think. Oh, yeah, it's like course. if you don't care what somebody thinks, you don't need to tell them. It's sort of like saying I'm not going to follow you anymore. You don't need to tell them. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. 
So as I get older, I feel, I feel these, I have, sometimes I have these moments of like, oh yeah, the past 20 years has passed so quickly. But 20 years ago, you know, I was very devil may care. So 20 years from now, I'll be like an old man. So, but maybe I'll get back to that where I'm like, hey, you know, maybe there's some sort of revelation that happens sometime in the next 20 years where it's like, kind of clicks into place you know I don't want to be afraid of what I'm what I don't know like the future is being afraid of being I think that's where that comes from that dread that kind of and even when you turn 50 it was it wasn't it wasn't huge but it was there and it used to not be there right so it just being present seems like a big deal but I think as we get older I think something happens to us that because I've met enough cats that are, you know, 78, 79, 80. I've been hanging out with a, a, a I have a kind of a new friend in LA that who's like, he's, all, he's you know, well into his 80s. And he doesn't, it doesn't seem to, can, that doesn't connect with him at all. There's no more dread. He's like, let's go do this thing. Let's go do this thing. Let's, he just seems, you know, he doesn't move super fast, but he's, you know, he doesn't seem to be like, oh, oh no. There's none of that. Right. So I'm like, I think I'm, I'm being hopeful, as opposed to being afraid of that p- potential of that, the dread getting more, I think it's going to get less, you know? And I, th- I do think a, an important part about it is if you're trying to keep up with somebody else, you're screwed. Right. And I think that's part of the wisdom, too, that I think is, I, that I don't have currently, but I'm hoping that I will eventually wake up one day or over the course of a year or so saying, oh, I don't have to keep up with anybody. Fuck those guys. Right. I'm just going to do my thing and like it or leave it. And, um, and you know, sort of live by more prince, fundamental, principled ideas of, you know, work out a little bit every day. Try to eat the right food. Drink some water. <laughs> don't be a dick. Get good rest. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a big one. Oh, this is yeah, turning night, into the, the middle-aged night. guy conversation. Well, Have more kale. Well, the night that I met <laughs> Puddles, that concert... Uh, that was a big late night for me. Yeah. Uh, I'm not up that late. Yeah. And um, since we're talking about that night, I'll tell you that it was, so I had interviewed uh, Kevin Kinney, not far from here, right on the other side of this building. Huge, I grew up here, huge Driving to Crying fan, right? So total treat to interview him. Then I get to go to that show. And, uh, you know, we're backstage, and, you know, there's Darius Rucker, not the biggest Hootie fan in the world, but hey, it's Darius. And there's Mike Mills. And there's uh, David Cross. There's all these people that I, I really, really enjoy. Fred Armisen was there. I did not see Fred backstage. Oh, no. I don't think he stuck around that second night. Maybe he did in Athens, but he didn't the second night. Um, and, uh, and Chris Robinson from the Black Crows. And I really wanted to talk to all of them. And then I realized if I'm not in this setting, like where I can actually like do this, like it's really horrible and there was nothing to say and it was overwhelming and I was tired. And yeah. it, it <laughs> at one point I literally was like, all right, there's okay. Oh, well, oh, fuck. Well, all right. What am I going to say? Your music's great, dude. You inspired me. Right. <laughs> you meant a lot to me when I was, you know what I mean? It was, it kind of, I just, I wish I didn't have my fastball, if you will. You know what I mean? And I didn't even realize it till later. Like, so David Cross, there were a hundred things I could have said to David Cross and I couldn't think of any of them. And I woke up the next morning and I was like, you could have said that. You could have mm. said that. You could have said that. And none of this means a hill of beans, but at least 
you, I think you know what I'm saying. Right. You've probably been around enough famous people that you kicked yourself or didn't for lack of whatever. Uh, usually when I'm around famous people, I'm kicking myself for what I said, not what I didn't say. Oh, okay. Like, oh, what a stupid thing to say. Or, but, and you know what's funny? At that, two minutes after that interaction, it's no one remembers. No, of course not. But, but, I, but I had this opportunity that I feel like passed me by. You'll have, well, you'll have that opportunity again. I mean, That's part of that hopefulness of the good thing's going to happen right later. Right. That wasn't the time. You know, another thing about those, those moments is people, uh, to be in that moment in a place like that and not be trying to make a thing happen. Right. Is that's like, like kind of precious. I don't mean precious, like bad precious. I mean, it's really kind of a precious space and energy of just sort of soaking it, soaking it all in. Right. So I think that the interaction, saying the thing to the person you want to say it to will happen. Just, it just didn't happen at that moment. It's going to happen. Um, or, it, it won't, and it wasn't supposed to. <laughs> right. Because if you push that. No, of course. Then it's worse. No, no of, you're no, just of like, oh, what did I, I didn't say anything that bad, but, you know, he was having a conversation with somebody else or something like well, that. Well, and that's the thing, too, is that David Cross especially was really kind. Like, I started by saying, this is my amazing lead-in, I think I lived in, I lived in a house that was next to one you used to live in, because that was the only thing I could remember at the time, right? <laughs> That's the only thing I, I'm, he, I'm glad you're laughing. It, but he totally went there with me. He wasn't just like, oh, that's nice. He was like, oh, which one? On, on Fairfax? On what? Like, we had this whole thing. And yeah. then it's like, okay, Matt, you're now talking to David Cross, right? You're yeah. a big fan of Mr. Show from way back. You're a big fan of like. Which, which, where was that? What city was that? Oh, LA. In LA? So when I first Fairfax moved to, and what? I don't remember. Oh, but, yeah. but when I moved there, it was, it was on Franklin. Right. And so this house I lived in, when I first moved in, my buddy was like, oh, David Cross lives right there. And again, you have to remember, like, this is, this is uh, right, this is like way, way, but like people know him now from, whatchamacallit, yeah. from the, what's the big show? Rest of Development. Right, Which right. I honestly have only seen a handful of times. Like, I know him from Mr. Show right. and being an angry comic for the last yeah. So then I started talking about Boston a little bit because I did stand up there. And again, I just blew it. I said, anyway, Wow, you just, that was, you were at the epicenters, the funny epicenters. I, well, I, uh, we can tell my, I've talked a lot about like my stand up sort of stuff before. We can talk about it later. But I want to ask you back to your, your uh, young Mike's beginnings. What, what people or persons on TV and or albums were you like, well, that's, that's what I want to do. Well, or, there's that blows me the fuck there's away. There's the obvious ones. There's the there's Kiss and like the band, rock bands that would be on television shows, right? By the way, you have to say it's not obvious because people are a lot younger than you and I. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so there's bands like Kiss. Um, I remember seeing Tom Jones on a show, and it was like late in later years. I'm like, damn, that guy's he's just just fills this television screen that four three you know the televisions used to be kind of square you remember when televisions used to be square what happened to them i don't like to remember, watch. remember at one in the morning on certain channels it would just go off yeah <laughs> <laughs> national anthem <laughs> that was my favorite moment <laughs> 
it's so depressing. It's so sad. It's like it's yeah. It's uh, so so. There was all of these TV people, but the guys from SCTV, they were on. Um, I was introduced to uh, a lot of like television comedy. My dad kind of liked funny guys, but he was also um, like a big Sinatra and Tony Bennett and Nat King Cole and all of these sort of uh, jazz type singers, saloon singers, they, I guess they used to call them back in the olden times. Crooners? Crooners, crooners. But um, crooners used to be considered like not a good thing to be called back right. in the old days. If right. you were called a crooner, it's like, you're not real. Oh, you're okay. just like you're just the guy in the bar right? singing the song. But, um, but yeah, so there was this comedy, Jonathan Winters. Oh, wow. We're really going back Robin now. Williams, I liked his his crazy energy um when he first was on tv obviously um you know shows like taxi and andy kaufman obviously i was introduced to andy kaufman with his character on taxi but we quickly discovered his other uh, his other it's funny he really spanned the spectrum because he had this wholesome character that right. wasn't uh it wasn't Latka. It was this this other kind of the stand up character he did was almost like felt like a kid show where he play the record right here I come to save the day and right. lip sync it. But then he went all the way to the other side of things where it was kind of like what a horrible character he created with Tony Clifton and um, who was who would be the that that comic that old time comic who was just inappropriate right. Um, so all of that was coming together. But in a lot of rock and roll, Iggy Pop, they're all doing this. They all seem like, and now they seem like they were vaudeville guys. Right. Well, you know, Alice you, Cooper. You know, you could actually, I think, relate to that because, you know, I heard an interview with Zamuda and he would never talk about, like, Tony Clifton is like a per, like, Tony Clifton is a different guy. Yeah. It's not him. It's not Andy. It's Tony Clifton. Tony Clifton was a, he was definitely a different guy. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I can relate to that. Right? Anyway, I don't know why. So, um, yeah, so all of those entertainers, Rolling Stones, obviously the, the, the kind of the British bands. Right. I mean, in the later years, it would have been, when I was in high school, it would have been The Clash and, you know, bands like that. Right. Joe Jackson. But did you have that, like, that yearning, like, I, I think I really need to get on stage and do something in front of people? I did. I used to do this thing. Um, when I was a teenager, I smoked a lot of weed. Right. And... I would sit with my pal. In, is this Virginia? It would be in Virginia. My pal Glenn. I never bought it. I was one of those guys. Right. Me, got, hey, man, you got any weed? Me too. Yeah. Just uh, hung out with guys who always had it. They always had it. So I would hang out with Glenn, and uh, we would get super high and listen <laughs> to uh, records. Right. And, and like kind of pretend we were playing, and then we would just riff on funny stuff. Right. And... And that, that's where that kind of Robin Williams energy of just, if you don't stop, you'll probably eventually say something funny. Eventually. But there's a lot of bullshit in there. Right. But, you know, you're a teenager. You know, your whole life is kind of bullshit. Right. So and you're just figuring out. That's, that, that's like a metaphor for, 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 for growing up as a teenager. You just keep trying shit. And 99.999% of it is crap. And then you stumble on the one thing. Oh, I know how to do this. Or I know how to do this. Right. And then somebody will come along and figure out how to say, oh, you ought to join this team. And then, they're, and then it, they'll ruin it. Like did, you did you join a team? 
Did you join the Glee Club? I was always no. I you know I was always sort of uh, hesitant. I don't know why. I just never. I was sort of this weird kind of lone wolf. Did they try to recruit you for the sports? They did, and I was terrible. I was so bad at sports. Um, but uh, I don't know why they even let me be on the team. I played basketball for a little while, and the coach is like, "What side are you playing on? Playing for?" Like, you're so terrible at the sport. But if, if you're that tall back then, even if you're bad, just get it to you close to the basket. How hard yeah. can it be? Yeah, just stand in the other guy's way. Right. Yeah. And then when we're on offense, put the, put yeah. the thing in the hoop. Oh, that's, that's too, many, too many parameters there. I, I couldn't follow those rules. <laughs> so high school ends, and then what happens? Um, I, I, high school, I got out of high school, and I left sort of like in the middle of the night. Uh, left Richmond, Virginia, chased a girl to uh, Washington, D.C. How did that work out? Uh, I learned a lot of important life lessons really quick. But you're not still with her? No, no. Every story that starts with, I followed a boy or girl, it, right. it, it never ends well. But it usually gets you to where you want her to go. It's like, oh, yeah, but then I met well, all these wonderful people or yeah, did this life, thing. Life has a tendency to uh, shave corners off of things <laughs> to, to enable you to go through life with hopefully a little less turbulence, the more crappy things happen to you, it's good for you. Right. It's not, it's not necessarily pain, it's struggle. That could be we're the title of your book. We're back to that. Well, I've discovered that not a, it doesn't always have to hurt. Sometimes the struggle can be very, even if you fail in the end, can be like, I did I made it through that. But I feel like you're literally blowing my mind. Like I joked about saying that thing about my mom earlier, but like yeah. it's kind of true. Yeah. And I think kind of angry at the world thing does kind of seem to fuel me a little bit. Sure. I mean, if that's what fuels you, I don't think it, there's a wrong way to do it. You know, there's, there was a, a performer who uh, used to drink a lot of booze, right? A performer? Well, I'm just using this performer as an example. There's many of them. But this one story that I, happened to, I heard about this a performer. You don't want to tell about, you want to tell who? I don't, I don't want to say who it is because that's not the important part. Got the it. important part is this thing. They, needed to, they, they were going to quit boozing, but they were afraid that is that where the thing comes from? Right. And so they quit boozing and they wound up becoming better at it, more, even more prolific and more creative. Um, and sometimes that I'm not saying somebody should quit or not quit, but I'm saying that's an example of they were afraid to stop doing a thing because they thought that was the source of their creativity and they stopped doing a thing and they became more creative. So it may have been a hindrance. So maybe pain is the object of emphasis as a, if you got rid of that or tried to or, or have be, be more, uh, you know, inert about it. Like, it happened, I recognize it. Don't pretend it didn't happen, but I, it's, it, maybe it's getting in my way of accomplishing things. It's like when people say crappy things about your creative thing. If you start, like you're out of tune? Right, well, we were just talking about that. Um, you start thinking about that. You know, Mark Marin does a funny bit in his show um, where it was Twitter. He, somebody makes some kind of comment in, the sh in his TV show. Somebody makes a funny comment about him on Twitter, and he becomes obsessed with this comment. And he's going to find out who this kid is. Right. And goes, and he's like some Dungeons and Dragons right. kid, and they're in some back room somewhere, and he's like 15. Right. And then he looks, and he says, I found you. And he says, you're a pitiful, you are a pitiful old guy, right. man. He went to the classroom, I think. 
because this is this is you made this your thing. You right. went chasing after me, so you lose again. Right. <laughs> so the comment on Twitter was right because that became the thing. Right. You, you named the only famous person I know, by the way. Oh, really? Mark. No, you know more famous. No, that's actually a friend. Like that, I met. Like I met Mark in. So he talks about his sobriety. So I don't. Have, this isn't me blowing his thing. And like, and I'm sober. So like, I met him through stand up in. What, whatever years I was in LA, oh, yeah. like 99 to 07 or oh, whatever. Yeah. And when I moved back here, like the podcast had just come out when people didn't know what a podcast was. Right. And he gave me stickers like, hey, listen to mine. I was like, how do I find it on iTunes or whatever? Anyway, so it's been super cool that he's a friend and I've got to watch him become like the most famous, you know, yeah. and basically invented, invented the sport for all of us. Yeah, he kind of did. He kind of did. You know, him and uh, I think uh, Corolla. Yeah, Corolla is really. I've never been a Corolla guy. Well, he's though. a TV guy, right? And, and I've just this isn't that far, right? And I'm just not from having a TV show. And I, yeah, and I'm just not. I've just never been. I just could never get into. Yeah, I've always like like even during like the Man Show, like I was yeah. more Kimmel than Corolla. You know what I mean? More Kimmel than Corolla. <laughs> That's a song. It sounds like a Weezer song. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound like a Weezer song. Um, but yeah, uh, so I, I need to I need to write that down. Okay, I'm gonna more if Kim- you. More if you use Corolla. that in somewhere, you can totally, you don't even have to give me credit. Oh, yeah. Uh, what was your name again? No, I'm, it's I'm fine. Kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, so what age did you actually start putting yourself out there? And did you start, I don't know, did you start in bands? Did you start as a solo person? Um, well, uh, I had a friend of mine that bought a bass. It was, an, uh, it, was a, it was a bass that was shaped like a Gibson SG, but it wasn't a Gibson. It was some knockoff thing. And he had an amp. And I kind of wanted to be a drummer at one point because I thought that would be be the easy thing to do. Um, I didn't realize that drumming can be as complicated as you want. But I was like, yeah, I'll be a drummer. I'll be like Peter Chris. Right. And, um, of Kiss. Of Kiss. And so, uh, and so he got a bass, and I started playing the bass. I'm like, oh, man, you can play a whole song in this thing and barely do anything. Right. It's another one of those things. It could be as complicated as you want. So I started playing bass. And we would have, we started having this, we would set up in his attic and we each would take turns playing the bass and, or banging on boxes or buckets, I think it was. And that was kind of the first little, uh, the first little, I'm like, oh, this is like, this is like a band. We're like writing a song. We can do this. And my dad hated it. He's like, oh, you're next thing you know, you're going to be smoking weed. And I'm like, "Mm." Well, I hate to break it to you. Right. No, I would have never said that to me. He would have broken my hands if he found out I was, if I said something like that to him. He was a he was old school guy, but um, but so we uh, yeah, and always kind of goofing around. I mean, I think it really started. I picked up the guitar to impress this gal, the gal that I ran away to, I chased to Washington D.C. She played guitar, twelve string guitar. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to learn how to play. What a guitar rad chick! So we can play uh, songs together. And so I just started learning, um, you know, the most schizophrenic kinds. Of, you know, so it was all kinds of songs. It was Dan Fogelberg songs and Leonard Skinnerd songs and just anything that I could sort of figure out. My brother taught me how to play uh, the riff in Sweet Home Alabama. Okay. Funny. He says, no, you're playing it all wrong. He picks up the guitar. And he was playing with, he was a, he's a real musician. He's a piano player, keyboard guy, my older brother. So he showed me this little bit on guitar and I just kind of started building from there, but I'm, I don't really consider myself a very good guitar player. Um, it kind of, my learning kind of, my f- learning of the fundamentals kind of ended at that point, you know, when I was, 
by the time I was 20 or 22, and I just, everything is, I just try to, I guess it's all, I base everything on that, on that rudiment. But again, like, did you think your voice could propel you forward? No, I never really thought of it that way. I, it was just what, and it, the voice wasn't really part of it for the longest time. I played a, played guitar in really crappy band, and, um, but, and I was always, you know, when you're young, you, oh, I love the way that sounds. I went through a Tom Waits phase. Right. Where everything was, hey, I'm singing, I was trying to sing like Tom Waits, but it sounded like some cartoon bad guy. Right. I remember there was a guy, there was kind of this older guy, I worked at the sub shop, and it was really chill sub shop. And, you know, fast forward into my 20s now, I went through that Washington, D.C. phase, trying to be a regular guy. I worked, ran a mailroom in a couple of businesses, a couple of offices in Washington, D.C. And, but, man, I just wasn't cut out for that kind of work. Were you there for that, like, crazy D.C. thing that kind of happened? with? Yeah. With, well, the, the hardcore scene? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Do you yeah. know those guys? Once, I don't know them, but I would go to the you know DC space and 930 Club, the old 930 Club, and all of these. There was a, there was another really weird club that I don't even know what it was. It was this really ridiculous place that maybe it was a restaurant during the day and then a hardcore right. venue at night. But did it? But did you remember it feeling like something, or was it just like this is what we do? We go to see these. No, I would just go to the thing, and then I would also go to blues clubs right. where I would go see you know, George Thorogood and, and the, the fabulous Thunderbirds and the night, another band was called the Nighthawks. They were from that DC area. So right. one night I would go see Those guys actually did have hits on the radio at one point, which is kind of hilarious. Fabulous Thunderbirds. And, and Thorogood. Yeah. Like they had hits. Yeah. I in- mean, Thorogood was like, it was really weird. I got his first record as a, as a gift. My father got me a hi-fi when I was still at home, living at home. This old school 60s hi-fi, I guess they got it from a thrift store or something, where I had a, you lifted it up and had a radio built into it and a phonograph built into it. Right. And they brought me a stack of records. They brought me George Thurgood, um, uh, Leonard Skinner, uh, like a Greatest Hits Leonard Skinner record, <laughs> a Pat Benatar record, you know, uh, that, that first big Pat Benatar record. Um, all of these records that were kind of rocking, right. but not too rocking. You know, they didn't want to. They didn't want to push me too far into. They didn't want me like they didn't get me any like heavy, heavy right. stuff. But so no you, Black Sabbath, you weren't you weren't anything. pals with Henry Rollins or anything. No, 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 no. no. Have you ever, have you ever chatted with Henry Rollins? No, I haven't. I haven't. He seems like a relatively cool guy. He seems to have become kind of. Have you ever hung out with him? No, but it's just so funny. I just mentioned that, and I just remembered that. Do you remember AOL Instant Messenger? Yeah, I remember. I don't know how I learned he had it or was on it. But I remember you'd see when someone came online, yeah. and I typed hello, and he like wrote hello back. Oh yeah, and I was like, because I, when I when my I was gonna say when I was in college, I don't know, we go to college, but my friends did, and they discovered those like like we knew who like Black Flag was, but like he started coming out with these like spoken word slash yeah. comedy albums, and I was such a fan and thought he was so like brave, and I was like, hey, do you write stuff down or do you? Like, just go out there, and he's like, I just let her rip. And I was like, that's amazing. And then, but like, you know, if I ever if I ever do meet him, I will tell him this story of how he was kind to me on AOL Instant Messenger in yeah. 1999. Um, but uh, but no, I just know that was a thing, because I was never into that. Like, I never, no. like, like, the Clash would be as heavy as it got for me. Right. Like, the Clash and, like, the Buzzcocks, like, 
that was like, I wasn't really into heavy metal or hardcore metal. I'm doing air quotes for the audio audience. So it just make a sound effect for that. It just, but it just seems as though, uh, uh, this gift you have, right. This like great singing voice you have. It seems to be that it would, it would kind of come out sooner. I know. It's very strange. Like I'm trying to say it nicely. I'm sort of sh- I, I'm sort of a shy guy. I'm this weird. You know, I'm an extrovert. I love interacting with people. I'm not afraid. Although I have recently discovered I'm becoming less that. Like more not agoraphobic, but like oh, I don't want to. I don't want to be in a crowd. Right. I'm like, what's that? And I don't know what that's about. But but I, I'm an extrovert. But at when the when it comes down time to hit it or quit it, I like, uh, I'll, sometimes I'll hesitate. And I think, I don't know where that's from. I think that's, um, that's something from that tall poppy syndrome, you know, tall poppy syndrome. If you get too big or too beautiful, there'll be somebody, usually somebody very near and dear to you will come along and cut your ass down. Okay. Like don't get too big for your britches. So if you hear that enough times, there's a fork in the road. You're either going to ignore it and just be bold, right? And just go, just go and do it. Or you're going to be like, there's going to be this hesitation. And I always hesitated because the voice, you know, you ever see guitar players? They sort of all hunched over, you know, and they're playing the guitar and they're paying attention to their guitar right. and they're not playing outwards. Right. Well, it's kind of hard to do that as a singer. I mean, you can close your eyes, but you know, it's it's an outward thing, you know. So. You have there needs to be some little bit of confidence, right, to do it at all, even poorly in front of, especially in front of people. So, and I think it took a long time until I think I figured it out when I was in. And I used to use I used to use booze to sort of combat that. Sure, not it's not really fear because there I am doing it. It was the hesitancy. To, so I used to drink a lot on stage. It used to be almost a joke. Where I just dropping glass, you know, a broken glass at my feet at a show, just like drink it and then drop the glass, and someone would hand, and it just turned into this funny thing. Mm. Um, and the more I did that, uh, the louder I could get, and the bigger I can get. And it was, I did, it was terrible because it was just basically screaming, you know, just like a like a blues shouter. <laughs> type of stuff, you know? And I, so I, I found myself in this band with a friend of mine. It was called the Las Vegas Hellbillies. And I played guitar, and he says, well, why don't you sing a song? Each of us, each, each of us sang a couple of songs. So I used to sing this song called Live, Live Hard, Die. Uh, I, I want to, uh, I want to, uh, I'll never forget what my father once told me. Always, <laughs> wait, no, never. Uh, I want to live fast, love hard, die young. Okay. By Farron Young. He was a guy from back in the 50s. Okay. And, it had, and he had this really funny voice. Um, so I used to try to kind of mimic his voice a little bit. When I really started singing, I would mimic people's voices. If I was singing a Van Morrison song, I would try to mimic Van Morrison's voice. Or, and I'm not a good mimic. But Farron Young, it was... I'm going to live fast, love hard, die young, and leave a beautiful memory. And then when I sang that song, the guys in the band said, oh, my God, that was great. Right. You know, do more songs like that. So every song was kind of like this, (laughs) (laughs) which is, you know, which is really not my voice. Right. But and so I found confidence in this kind of style. So I was sort of hiding behind that style. Right. But your real voice, you know, your 
where you don't sound like somebody else. But see, but here's what's fascinating. Uh, I think like everybody thinks they're funny and everybody thinks they're good in bed. And I think almost everybody thinks they can sing like even a little bit. And I have to tell you that I was someone that thought, well, I know I can't sing, but I mean, okay. And then I got married and have children and they will tell you, dad, you have a horrible singing voice. And I have now embraced that. Right. Like I, I get it. Like the person, cause when you're, when you, when you're alone in the shower or in the car and you go to that level that you wouldn't go to publicly, like I actually kind of sound like this guy. You think because the music is behind it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, do you see what happened with Apple Music today? No, what happened? They are learning whatever is happening with the TikTok generation because it says we will now let you turn the vocals down on a song and you can sing along. They called it Apple something something. This is a historic day. Right. I don't. I'm sure this is going to become a whole fucking thing. But they're like, hey, because they already show you all the words, and right. now there's going to be a setting. Basically, so you can karaoke your phone. Oh, that's great. Uh, interesting. It literally that's was great. today that I saw I'm going to sing Harry Styles all the way home. You should. No, I don't, I don't, do it. I don't have Apple Music. Uh, what do you listen to on? Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I, I... I just heard you listening to yourself, God damn uh, Well, it. that was a YouTube thing. Okay. So you have the YouTube. Don't have Spotify. I'll, 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 yeah, I'll, I have some Spotify. I, I reluctantly have Spotify. Why do you say reluctantly? You, eh, it's right just, you know, they're, 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 it's not really great for... Musicians, musicians, and I'm not talking about. I don't care about the big musicians, but you know, shit does flow downhill. So small independent musicians, really, they it's a networking device. It's a networking platform to get their music out there, and still, it's. Uh, so you think very, if you listen to the Beatles on here, it's somehow hurting the little guy? Is that what you're saying? No, I mean if I don't know, I listen to it. I listen to Spotify. What do you listen to in the car? What's in your? Do you have a CD player in the car? No, uh, no, I don't own a car. Uh, I I borrowed a car to drive here today. Okay, I was going to Uber, right? But I was like, man, I'll, I'll borrow the car. My next door neighbor borrowed their car to drive here. So um, I'll listen to. Um, I'll get on a I'll get on a kick where like I'll wake up and like psychedelic furs. Right. I haven't listened to psychedelic furs in forever. My way. Sorry. So, or, that was my, that was uh, my amazing psychedelic furs. That's impression. pretty good. Can you do a what's his name? I don't even know his name. No. No. What's his name? No. I, I don't know. Can you do it? I don't know. Try it, goddammit. Come on, monkey dance. Yeah, that's it. It's that's, a new home. I th- you carry it too. That's, that was all completely no. that was completely in tune. That's good. Yep. You know, Kids, kids don't know. That's, Let's remember, right? They're not miniature adults. They're not fully formed yet. No. And the other thing, funny thing about kids, I don't know anything. I don't have kids. I don't know anything about kids. But the reason why, uh, the reason why they're fearless um, to do crazy shit, because they have no sense of mortality. Right. So that does not make them fearless. They have no sense of mortality. It's like kind of built in. Right. I definitely somewhere in the last few years was like the sense, the sense, the phrase. Uh, youth is wasted on the young made complete sense to me. I never understood it. There. And then one day I saw it and I when was, was like, that? God damn it. I don't know. Maybe five years ago. I was, five years I ago. I was pissed off though. That was the first, that was the first rung of that ladder I was talking about earlier where eventually you're like these things that kind of, you fear that they will matter and they don't matter. You just don't want your knees to hurt. You want to be able to sleep through the night. I got to say that's the biggest bummer. Can we tell? Can we tell secrets of fifty plus men? Oh yeah. When you think of these things as a when you're a kid or even in your twenties and thirties, you're like, oh, getting old. I, I might be crippled. I might be this. But it's like, 
I don't want to have to get up twice to go to the bathroom. I just want to make it to late in the morning. That's a bummer, dude. Mm-hmm. Seven in the morning. Yeah. You get up at seven. Oh, well, kids, right? Well, I mean. Is that why? Uh, yeah. My clock is now f- like fixed. Like once, like yeah. it's my brain, I go to bed early and I wake up early. Like you might, you still do the gigs with the, with the kids out there, but no dude, I'm in bed by my wife and I watch some Netflix. We go to sleep by 11. Oh, certainly 10, 10 30 most nights. Yeah. And so then, yeah, I'm up, I'm up at, but if I'm up at two to go to the bathroom, I don't even look at the clock. I just try to go back to sleep. And then I wake don't up ever at, look at the and clock. And then I wake up again and I'm like, please, no God, screens. is it close to, oh no, 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 I'm not one. I, my phone, I, even during the day, this is my way of saying, this is remember the, the youth that you had that said, you don't give a shit about anything. This is my way of like, I have no notifications. Okay. I mean, there's two oh, for yeah. an app that I forgot to turn off. But yeah. yeah. But like, yeah, I'm real big on like, never look at the phone in the middle of the night. But anyway, the point is, uh, I don't want to get up at again at five and then try to get back. That's just, that's the biggest bummer bucket. That's my biggest complaint at age 50. You know, back before the light bulb was a thing, right? I'm not, this is not a memory that but, I have. Right. It's something I read. When that, you lit candles in Virginia? That when we lit candles in, in Virginia, um, there would be a thing, and I'm not sure that's not with everyone that this happened. I'm sure it was, it, it was among people that had the, the luxury of writing journals. You know, I doubt that the hardworking farmer guy was like, uh, you know, he's up at, he's up at, you know, before sunrise and he's asleep before the sundown and he doesn't have time for writing his life down in a book. But they would, there was a thing where people would go to bed relatively early and then wake up around two o'clock in the morning and then do things and then go back to sleep. So they would break up this period of sleep. Like they would sleep for a stretch and then wake up and, you know, get it on or pray or write or whatever they would do. But because with the introduction of electric light, we can simulate daylight. We have to have a time of the day where you lock it in. This is when you'll sleep. Right. Or else everyone will go crazy. Right. You know, if you couldn't sleep, didn't they make a TV show about that or a movie about that where no one could go to sleep and everybody goes bonkers? Not probably. I think it was. So there used to, I think they call, used to call it second sleep or something like that. Are you running out of tape? No, I'm not running out of tape. I'm always <laughs> paranoid I will run out of battery uh, and I'm not going to. That would be funny to do a podcast all on archaic uh, gear where you tape, actually tape it. Just get the two, get the things going. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you rewind it. Uh, see, now I lost my train of thought. God damn it. I'm sorry. I'm tangential. We were as as am I, which is, I but think, I'm gentle, which is I think why this is going well because we're both that way. So the guys look at you like, hey, you can sound oh, yeah, like that's a, right. you can sing like a dumb redneck kind of thing, but it sounds yeah. nice. Well, right. Farron Young was a no, nah, I know I'm being I'm, cruel. he was probably an sob. I'm being I'm being cruel. Um, but you reminded me, you know, I just started listening to again that I hadn't heard in a hundred years. Is did you ever listen to Jason and the Scorchers? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like they're kind of in that like almost driving and crying lane, right? Yeah. But I went back and listened to that. What's that record that's two records, I think? I don't, I don't remember. Anyway, song after song after song, I was like, this stuff is so fucking good. And then I always have this thought, like, what if they released it now? Like, if you threw it on a TikTok video, would the kids get, like, how amazing this is? I think so. I mean, there's so much. Uh, you know, when I first started playing music, I found myself gradually moving to old music um until like in the early uh late 80s 
Like, I mean, that hillbilly band that I was in, I mean, everybody else in that band was, they were punk rock guys. Right. And they found, and it was sort of kind of ironic, you know, of wouldn't it be really cool to wear string ties and play an upright bass. Right. You know, and then it turned into a real love of that kind of music. It was a period of the 50s where jazz was meeting country music and jazz and hillbilly music was all meeting in like Nashville. And so they had these jazz guys playing on these country records. And so it started getting kind of groovy and swing. That kind of Texas swing thing came into the equation. But so we started discovering this music because it was kind of cartoony. And that's where a lot of us heard it. it. We heard it on, you know, in cartoons. You know, stuff like that. Right. That, you know, for its day, that was like orchestral music. Right. But they use it in cartoons and it immediately becomes kind of funny. So there's a really cool shtick there. And then you want to like, wow, some of this, I'm a digging a hole to bury my heart. For from my baby, I have to part. What a, what a horrible, that's, that's such a sweet song, but it's, and it's swinging and right. just. So we found ourselves gra- gradually like getting onto this kind of vintage she kind of music, which led us to, uh, you know, bands like, or, or like Louis Prima and Louis Jordan and these kind of, and a bunch of blues shouters like Winona Harris, who was this huge star in the 40s and 50s, um, Big Joe Turner, and, a lo- and the only place where you could hear that music being played, if it was being played live at all, because it's old music, was from blues guys. So we started going to these blues clubs. And every, so you'd hear the dum 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 and then they would whip out Jump, Jive, and Whale. Right. You know, baby, baby, it looks like it's swinging like crazy. And this would have been in the late 80s. And so we said... Before the mini swing craze we had, you before, mean? Before, I call it the great swing scare of the 90s. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a swing pandemic, you know? Which was very closely associated to the roller derby pandemic and also the burlesque pandemic. Um, it just became this thing that began. I, don't, I mean that, you know, I make fun of it, but it, it, was, it was a really fun time. Because I went to one during, of the yeah I went grunge. to one, I went to the Warp tour th- around that time and I remember that was like all the side stage bands were all the Big Dad Voodoo Daddy and all those that would have been ninety six and Squirrel Nut Zippers ninety six ninety seven yeah yeah because Swingers um, came out in ninety six yeah so we we got this band and we're doing this it's kind of weird we always wore suits and pompadour haircuts and and uh, like you have today. At, <laughs> I've got the invisible transparent pompadour. Transparent pompadour. That sounds kind of cool. I, like I think that. I think I think the swing pandemic is hilarious. It is. Are and you? Did you invent that term? Uh, no. Well, I just came up with a term. I've called it the swing scare of the '90s because it was a lot of fun, but too much of something that's a lot of fun. Well, but, that's, but that's how fads go. It's too much, and it becomes sort of a caricature of itself. Right. But if you're that guy, right? And you're committed, you've got the tats, you've got the haircut, you've got the car. Like, yeah. you, you, eventually, it, it, you, 80, you eventually have to get rid of a couple yeah. of those things. Yeah. The car you're probably going to stick with. Yeah. Right? That's a big investment. Well, tattoos. The tattoos you're stuck with, yeah. right? But I definitely, so I moved to 99, I moved to LA in 99. Yeah. So tail end of it. Right. But there were still a couple of those guys that wanted to look like Trent from Swingers. From right. What's his name? That was the Derby, the Viper Room. Right, but there were guys that just still walked around looking like that. And there oh, was, yeah. And there were still like... Big chains. Yeah, the chain yeah. wallet thing. Yeah. And, and the, yeah, there was, there was still a lot of that, dude, yeah. that didn't... 
I didn't think it went away until yeah. Yeah, let me, let me doing, so since we're talking music, that, that Pachuco, that Pachuco fashion right, in L.A. Well, all right, so now that was gonna, Royal, Royal Crown Review was kind of the the, the beginning of that. Right, that would have been like ninety, I think but, it was. We need to, I want to get your. I want to get your. I want to. I want to have you noodle on this one for a little bit. What? <laughs> <laughs> history, uh, history uh, shortens things, right? It's like this, but ba ba ba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I was there, man, okay? I was there. I wasn't as old as you were, but you were older than me, so I want to get your perspective. I grew up in the 80s, okay? And in the 80s, if you look at like, if you look at like the top 40, it's, it's much more diverse than it is now, right? There's a lot more stuff. I think the further back you go, like even some of those like country hits, mm would be in the top 40, right? Mm-hmm. Which would never really, it would not really happen now, right? And you, you'd have like, I'm trying to think of a good example. Of course, I can't think for one. But like Michael Jackson and Bruce Springsteen and, you know, whoever, right? Like these were all like the top 40 hits that wasn't as segmented. Was Garth Brooks, is he more of a 90s? He's way more 90s. Yeah. But no, he kind of created pop country. But, but here's what I'm oh, getting who to. Was, you know, who was, uh, who was, go on, go on. He was a country guy that. Well, I was going to mention the, the Oak Ridge Boys. And uh, Oak Ridge Boys. Elvira. Right. Dolly Parton would right. have been in the top 40. So, so anyway, but, but the way the history people have it read is we had all this hair metal and then the Nirvana album came out and they all went away. Right. But then grunge didn't really last that long. And they want to say, well, grunge was immediately replaced by. Uh, Backstreet Boys and it's like well it didn't exactly go like that like if you're listening to that music yeah you were still listening to that music I did not switch to right I did not switch to the Backstreet Boys and I certainly didn't stop listening to a lot of the you know I had Poison records you know what I'm saying sure so when you they want to slam everything down to these like two to three year periods like it didn't didn't really go that way if I recall it didn't and it just, you know, there's no, uh, I mean, we could talk, um, we could talk about that phenomenon, but the they that we're discussing are, you know, the people that write articles and right. have, are their newspapers or television programs, because everybody's looking for something to talk about. And so it winds up being, everybody's talking about this thing in maybe in media and, and, and that sort of begins with sort of some movement outside of the 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 the, the, the gatekeepers of information i guess whoever that may be so you, you have a people that are are you have people that are in 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 the scene this musical scene and we'll just use use hardcore as an example it was a scene but before it was a scene it was just people just doing the thing that they do it wasn't uh, and then once it becomes this popular thing, people will often are, are enchanted by that. I don't want to use like negative terminology because I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. But people are enchanted by, oh, listen to this music. I've never heard this before. And they get on board and then a large group of people are listening to this kind of music. And then somebody says, what are they all doing over there? Let's go check that out. And then, well, I work for a paper or I work for a radio station or whatever it may be, or I work for a record label, which it used to be kind of that way, like A&R guys, I guess. I'm, you know, I'm not in record-making business, but, but I assume like, oh, there's this movement going on. We can sell a bunch of records. And it comes down to that, and I don't mean that in a cynical way, because 
making art, I mean, if you don't get paid for your art, even a little bit, it's not sustainable. Is it art just because we hang it on the wall? <laughs> oh, wow, man. <laughs> sure. Sure, sure it is. My friend actually said that. My friend said there's no mistakes in art, and he's probably not the first one to say it, but I I just dug that, man, because there isn't. Yeah. Right? There's there's a lot of, there there can be a lot of mistakes in the commerce of it. Right. Like if you don't get paid, and you know, also with art, you get paid, and there's a friend of mine said, we work work with multiple forms of currency, and sometimes that currency is an other artist loves your work, and tells a successful artist, for example, loves your work and tells everybody about it. Well, that has a value, right? That's a form of how. How, how much value is in going on a uh, nationwide talent show? How much value is in that? Oh, there's a huge value in that. It's a Super Bowl commercial, basically. If you think about, if you if you sort of think about it that way, I I I. So I was watching. Are some- you talking about the talent show? Are you referring to the one that America has the, the, the American talent show? <laughs> so I definitely watched those first few seasons of American Idol um, back when reality was kind of just like first booming those first survivor years, those first top chef years. Oh yeah. And before there were 800 other singing shows and then it kind of became not so interesting to me. Yeah. So it sort of became like a fad. Well, it's still going though. Is it not? Competition. Programs. Is it still going though? Yeah. yeah, it's still going. Like they're still trying new ones. The, the ones great, that are s- the Great Baking Show. My daughter loves that show. That's, My thirteen-year-old daughter loves that that's, show. That's that's American but, Idol for making cakes, right? But I have to say, you know, there's that Great Black Mirror episode. Have you seen all the Black Mirrors? Mm-hmm. Yes. And that Great Black Mirror episode where they're they're uh, spoiler alert if you haven't watched Black Mirror, they're they're trying to earn coins to get on the show, and then she finally gets on the show, and she's a pretty good singer, but they're like, we want you to be on the porn channel instead. Right. So I got to say, I'm watching... Uh, I don't like to do a ton of research on people that I'm going to interview. I like to know just enough, mm-hmm. and then the audience gets to know them with me, right? Sure. Um, or I'm very familiar with... Anyway, uh, but I did think, I'll watch a couple of America's Got Talent videos, because I really haven't watched that show. I'm familiar yeah. with it. I'm familiar people are on it. I'm certainly familiar that Puddles was on it. And I have to say, watching... Watching the judges react and speak, I couldn't not think of that. That this this concept of, by the way, this is me not like shitting on it. This is just me mm-hmm. grasping the concept of we've decided these four celebrities, right, people who used to be famous for one reason or another, are going to now speak for us and decide who stays and goes. I just thought of it in this really like, I guess I'm not shitting on it, but it did kind of I think depress me a little. Like the scale of, of like, do you, I, I think you know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. I mean, it's a little cynical, but I think it's easy to be cynical about it. I think it's, first of all, the show, there's a lot of people on that show that are awesome people that are really good at what they do. Right. Including the judges. Right. They're really good at what they do. They're kind of at the top of their field. Well, I, think- I don't know what that field is. <laughs> But I'm not kidding. Simon Cowell, Heidi Klum, Howie Mandel, you know, they're really good at being those people. And that is their career. Right. And people that go on the show may or may not have a healthy perspective about what the show does. You know what I mean? Like some people go on 
you know, Puddles and I saw people, uh, contestants on that show, who were like really behaving poorly, like being behaving poorly, like mentally ill. You mean? Well, no, no, just just being just not kind of cool right. about the process. And you know, one of one of one of our rules is just be a good hang. Yeah. Just be a good hang. Right. You know, you'll know not everybody's out to get you, but not everybody's out to to only help you. Right. So it's their television program. So I think a lot of people enter into this thing as if this is going to make their career. And really what's going to make your career is you staying on the treadmill longer than anybody else and being the best that you can possibly be at what you're doing. You know, I like to remove the cynicism because it's easy to be cynical about showbiz. Right, but I'm not, tr- I'm not even coming at it from the... It's easy to crap on the popular show that everybody likes, I guess. I'm yeah. looking at it this deeper level of what we put value on. Right. And I'm not devaluing, you understand, I'm not devaluing Puddle's success or anybody's success from that show. It's funny, like if you name those people, like when you say the top of being what they are, I, I honestly thought you were just talking about Heidi and, and Simon because I did watch a lot of that show, the, the fashion one, right? Right, right. Um, for many years, my wife and I watched that one. Uh, Howie, I could take her leave, to be honest. But, but again, it's this concept of, I, I don't know what I'm trying He'd to say. He'd love you. Howie? Sure. Okay. I Howie think, would love you. I think you're saying that sarcastically. No, I'm not. I mean, I remember Howie from the guy with the glove on his head. Right. And maybe that is in the way. Yeah. But, I, but I, I feel like it's, I think that image is so burned in me from that fucking yeah. show, that, that Black Mirror yeah. of this concept of, it's it, it goes it goes all the way back to fucking um, not Rollerball, but what's that what's that movie with uh, Arnold? Not Arnold. Is it Arnold? What's the one with uh, where who's the who's the old Family Feud host? Oh, Richard Dawson. Yeah. So was it Rollerball? It's, it's called no, no. It was Richard Dawson. It was Arnold. It was the game show where they have to f- fight a fucking out, and there was always a guy. That, there was a commercial on that on. On the program where there was always a guy that had a punch, and I was like, I'd buy that for a dollar. Right, right. <laughs> so I feel like that stuff. It, it, running Man. Is it Running Man? I think it was Running Man. Yeah. Game show. Yeah, yeah. But it was convicted criminals. Right. So I feel like I, that, that vibe, when I watched those four, he's now cracking up ridiculously for some reason. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have taken those mushrooms before I got when I watch, kicking in. When I watch these four people on the stage with these weird lights, I just, I don't know, man. I know, I know. And again, but you understand I'm not diminishing. I totally, I totally agree with you, but uh, there's no but. And, that's what I would say. I say no but, and. And the, it is a fixture within the sort of the culture of showbiz. I don't think it paints a healthy, realistic picture of the way uh, a, a career um, happens with performers, like young performers that come on. And if you notice, a lot of, a, a lot of those programs, there's, they bring established acts on there. You know, Puddles had been touring for a while before he ever went on that show, and they reached out to us saying, like a bunch of times, saying, you know, and it was intriguing. So, so you know. So when they email... Of they- course, Puddles says yes to everything, and we're like, hang, you know, just, you know, we need to be... We're a team. So when Big Mike gets that email, which is, I assume, what happened, right? So we discussed it, and, and I discussed it with Puddles and um, uh, Shannon and, um, and Stuart, uh, Puddles' manager. And uh, we said, 
maybe this is uh, maybe this could be kind of kind of cool. At the very least, it could be just a crazy, weird, concentrated experience. But you said no the first time. You said yeah, yeah. You were too really puddles was just too busy. Okay, to, to take the time off, take the month. It requires about a month. Okay, of being being there. So it, you know, it was, it was it's a it's a time commitment as well. So that's why you know kids that maybe like great jugglers or great singers or ventriloquists or whatever, they'll go and do the summer, you know, do a, do the, cause they don't have anything else going summer. on. Well, they can take, they have, they have the, they can take the time. School's not happening. All right. Well, now whatever. I'm going to, well, so now I have to ask you business questions. Buy low, sell oh, high. high plastics. One word. They, the, 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 uh, the American idol guys are famous for like, okay, sign up, by the way, we're going to own everything forever. You're already established. You and Puddle's already established. So how does that work? It's a complicated contract that you need to have somebody that knows what they're doing, look through it, which we did. And, and they get more complicated through time. But I think that's a great learning experience for a, uh, for a performer to, to, be, uh, to know that that is the landscape that they're entering. Because show business is fun. You know, you were stand-up. It was an hour a night. On gig day, right. it's an hour a night. There's 23 other hours right. filled with something. Right. So, do, you and, to, do you want to know what those were for me? What were they? The reason why I'm sitting here and not Smoking a... Smoking weed. Not a famous comic. Uh, sleeping, drinking, chasing yeah. women. Actually, I got sober relatively early in my stand-up career, uh, but then I was still doing the sleeping and the chasing of the girls. Man, and so, stand-up, that's a, that's a tough... Tough. It's a tough road. Well, it, it turns out that this is what I'm the best at. Yeah. And this expression of me, I didn't know existed. I didn't, I kind of did. Like, I think I wanted to be like Carson or Letterman as a kid, but like, I just, stand up seemed like the way. But it turns out I'm much better at this than writing sh- sh- jokes. Yeah. Yeah. So anyhow, back to the thing. So, you know, the contracts are complicated. And, and, you know, not everybody's going to be able, and they have to have the contracts. Right, but you know, a kid I is not going to know better. A kid's well, just going to say yes, because they don't have a Susan and a Stuart. Or, are those the names you said? Falcon and, and Stan, Stanley. Falcon and Stanley. Falcon and Stanley. Um, you, well, see, that's the, that's the thing. That's the, re, that's the reality. I don't want to, you know, there, and the other thing about the AGT crowd, I don't know how it was in previous Seasons. Right. You only know I've your heard experience. some stories, right. um, but also at the same time, you know, it was uh, they were very forthcoming. They were very uh, agr- they had their ideas about what they wanted to accomplish on their television program, incorporating puddles into it, and they were very kind of open about it. So there was never like there was never this what is this which we were expecting because we heard there's a lot going on in the rumor mill, which makes that whole organization kind of fun and mysterious or it's fun to, it's salacious that makes us so, so it was great. Um, and we made, uh, Puddles and I, we all made great friends in that, or, in that, in that whole organization. I'm not pulling any punches here. I'm saying it was a great experience. It was really incredible to watch and it was nerve wracking and it was quite a struggle, and it was scary, because live TV is weird, and you have 90 seconds to do your thing. Um, how, how did you and Puddles make that song choice? Uh, well, we For the worked, first one. Uh, that was their idea. 
they gave you that song? No, no, no. That was a song that Puddles had been doing. Oh, okay. And they said, we, we like this one that Puddles has already done. Do that one. And the second one, too. It was interesting. And the Champions was uh, the Champions show, which happened, which aired in January of 2020, by the way. So right at the beginning was, and that was going to be Puddles' big TV commercial for the tours that were going to come in 2020, right. which there were none. So it's kind of weird. It kind of did. It was on TV, and then poosh, it, no, and nothing after that. So, because um, that's you know part of the thing. It's part of a I don't know ca- career trajectory. I mean, there should be some sort of strategy. And you've got your art that you're doing, whether it's stand up or author or com- whatever it is. And then there is how do we make this so I can just do this for a living and don't have to do something else for a living. Or maybe do something else that maybe I don't want to do. So there's you know, the, the idea of having a career trajectory um, where you can, uh, I don't like to use buzzwords and I don't like the term brand and things like right. that, but there, there should be some sort of wandering aimlessly. I don't know anybody that's been able to make, have their living that they want to live, you know, make a living that they like by wandering aimlessly or having an aimless career so and that's not anything that i or puddles or wanted so so this is getting boring we should talk about something funny wow i mean listen <laughs> listen I, I, I always tell is it my, boring am i getting boring you are not getting okay boring. okay so uh, so uh i just got just, i just got that weird self-conscious thing all of a sudden it's totally fine uh, you were just let me guide you as you were host. watching me and i was like oh no i'm what am I saying? No, I listen. I because I, I hadn't seen that. I I know that is what Puddles was from, right? Right. When when I sat here, right, with Kevin, and I said, "Who should I talk to uh, next?" Which is a question I'll ask you at some point. He mentioned you. So oh, he did. Kevin Kinney. Yeah, he said what you a should. Sweet guy. He said you should you should have Puddles on, right? Yeah. So then that night. He introduces me. So by the way, I can say from my experience, you're both a good hang, right? Oh, that's good. I only spent a couple minutes with Puddles, but you're both a good hang as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but when I, so I watched that performance this morning and, you know, everybody likes to give Simon a hard time, but like Simon got it immediately, right? Yeah. And he hates clowns. Well, I think a lot of people have a weird relationship with clowns, but yeah. we won't go into, that's, that's another podcast for another time. But I feel like this whole thing of like, oh, why isn't he happy? And you should come out happy. And Simon's like, no, no, no. Like, this is like, this, right. this is Puddle's pity party. This is not Puddle's happy party. Like, this is like, it is right. what it is. And it's perfect how it is. Please never speak to me. Like, I thought like, Simon fucking gets it. Do you recall or do you know what, what was behind the tears on those first night? You know, I'm sure it was an overwhelming feeling of one, not blowing it the audience reacting the way they reacted and you have people you would have preconceived notions of, about these people that are in front of you these very very four fancy people sitting in front of you that have seen everything and don't forget that previous to puddle's performances there were other performers on there who nailed it who were kids that were incredible. The first day we walked into the studio there, someone was on stage, I think they were doing some blocking or some, a rehearsal, and it was the, the guy, uh, what was his name? I feel terrible for forgetting his name, but he would sing the male part and uh, the female part of this opera. So he and then, and it sounded like two people. And we thought it was a recording. 
Because it was so good. It was flawless. And then somebody says, oh, that's uh, such and such. Um, I feel terrible forgetting his it's name. It's okay. Because uh, I had several conversations with him, and they were the sweetest people. But I'm like, no way. I mean, that was the most incredible thing I've ever heard someone sing before. It was, it was unbelievable. I'm like, how? This is, this is going to be a short... Don't unpack your bags. You're not staying that long because I thought it was going to be a short-lived experience. Right. But I think Puddles has this thing besides singing. You know, be, he has a, this... I think he just has a presence that resonates with people. So singing's part of it. The music's part of it. And then there's a, this other kind of unspoken... Not unspoken or undefinable kind of thing. You know, being a, a giant guy... In a, that reflects a lot of light is a big part of it as well. But, yeah. but I was asking you about the sadness piece, and you were saying, oh, the sadness number one, piece. that you didn't blow it. Right. Uh, uh, that he didn't blow it. It's an overwhelming feeling when people say, good job, you know? And Puddles doesn't confuse his feelings. He doesn't feel like he has to keep it down. Like, oh, don't. It, there isn't don't. There is only, you like, kind of do. You know, he just, if he doesn't, if he equally, I mean, you saw he, he will have gestures that will be like, like, you know, he'll right. stick his tongue out. Like, right. what, you know, he'll say what's on his mind without saying what's on his mind. You know, what's on his mind. So, so part of being able to embrace whatever emotion has welled up, he just, he just goes with it. So that's it, not a bit. That's, I, that's I'm le- very aware. That's legit. I, you can tell when somebody's... No, it's like course. a fake laugh and fake tears. You know when they're... Of course. You of know course. I, I have children. I know what fake tears are. Yeah. Uh, they can get really good at it. You can oh, yeah. buy it. But then you hear a similar, like, oh, that's your fake cry. That's not yeah. the real cry. Uh, at, at, at a variety of yeah. Even with ages. tears. Right. No. I mean, if you can have tears as well, <laughs> but you can still tell. Yeah. I have, like I said, I have three kids, so I, I'm, yeah. I'm well-versed. So in general... I, song choice is something I wanted to talk to you about because the concept of <clears throat> like it's more than just well isn't this interesting right here's this tall person singing this song in a manner we're not used to hearing it right sure. like it, it's it could be just a gimmick and if it's if it's not done really well it's it's could, it's like oh well that's just a thing so I'm really because I listened to War Pigs this morning. And again, like in my mind, as I'm hitting play, I'm like, well, I have a general idea how this might sound. And I'm like, oh, well, this is fucking amazing. So how does one decide, uh, how do you guys come up with like, your song choice? War Pigs, in, for example, that arrangement was created by this uh, friend of mine in Portland, James Beaton. And he performs with uh, another friend of mine, Storm Large. And they're, uh, he reharmonized the song. And I love the shit talk on social media when it comes to Ozzy Osbourne or Black Sabbath songs. I love it. Okay. I love it when it trips their trigger so much, like ruined it. Like, you know, thanks for listening. Right. You know, it's, it's pretty funny. So I think it's a beautiful arrangement. We had a discussion about it. Um, and so, he, and, but really... You know, we approached James and said, just, here's War Pigs. What do you got? Right. Because we also collaborated on a version of Crazy Train. 
there's a couple of versions of Crazy Train that Puddles does. And one of them is just with a bare guitar, just an acoustic guitar. Um, and then the other one is this really beautiful ballad piano piece. That's really like, oh man, if you, it, it allows you to listen to what's going on. Because sometimes the, the, the music and the attitude and the posture of Black Sabbath songs, the meaning of the song is sort of lost. Right. Because those songs actually have meaning. Crazy Train and War Pigs are both kind of, kind of war, Vietnam war protest songs. Right. Um, basically. Um, but a lot of songs don't have specific meaning. They're just lines that are strung together that sound really cool. Like a lot of Bob Dylan songs. Like, what's a song about? It's like, it's about stringing a bunch of cool sounding lines together and making a song well, about it. Well, that's how I feel about a lot of REM stuff. That's how yeah. I feel about a lot of what Michael Stipe says. Yeah. He's kind of experienced. You were wandering. It, there are a bunch of little stories, maybe. Right. But War Pig specifically, our relation to that song is so much like the lyrics i think people do identify those lyrics as like well it is called war pigs it is about war of some kind even if right. you're not old enough to know that it's about vietnam but the music itself right the it's like that's so to take that song and make this new arrangement is pretty impressive whatever you whatever you guys did however you did that you wouldn't know that's the song is what james is a really brilliant Reharmonizer, I think he is. Um, I love working with him. So, so is that what usually happens, or is it more? You know, this is a song I I dig. Let's see what Puddles can do with it. You know, there's a found, there's there's this idea of found objects that I really like. Where and I think David Lynch has I think has sort of said this in his interviews. Where he's, he's next, by the way, he's outside. Oh, he is. Yes. Oh, that's he, great. You're following. He's I, following. I you. should have brought him a milkshake. Um, <laughs> Um, where it's, it's like these objects are being kind of in his, I think he heard him in an interview where he says objects are being tossed over a fence, like a little picture of an, of an, of an ear, you know, and then this other thing, or maybe a song and none of them are connected, but he figures out a way. He says, this means something and I'm going to connect it to something else and then it will become a bigger thing they're like it's almost like cells you know where you put them together and they become a thing and i think visual things and audio things kind of work the same way where you can take uh i can we can talk to a musician and say we want to do a, a version of a song um listen to it and here's roughly the key range what inspires you? So he puts all, as opposed to him just knowing exactly what to do and then goes and does it and makes the widget, what he does, he, he uses his own set of skills to kind of reharmonize it. And I, do you know what? When It sounds like an, like an Appalachian song played on piano to me. It's like somewhere between like Appalachian... You know, like uh, like old not not bluegrass music, but old time what I call kind of old time music, old time music and classical music that are sort of related anyway, because there's this kind of I don't know what it is. You know stuff like that. Why does that make me laugh so much? Why does that that's make a, me smile so much? But that's what it's sort of. And I didn't know we didn't know it was coming to us. Right. It showed up, you know, in an email. This, how, what do you think about this? And so we went to the studio with Puddles, and he started singing it. It took a little while to figure out, okay, because you get that Ozzy Osbourne in your head. Oh, of course. To, it's hard to get it out. 
So don't listen to Sabbath or Ozzy Osbourne. Before you record it. two or three days. Yeah. Do not listen to it. Right. And then try to come up with something that way. And that, you sort of get it out of your head. So sometimes it's like that. And sometimes a song is, there's a thing in the music of the song that is so, it needs to be there. You know, I kind of feel that way. Um, you know, James did an re- interesting version of Crazy Train because that he kind of put it in there, but it, he put it in this like classical music kind of way. So it's still there, right? So you can kind of identify it. Um, but if sometimes if you get too far away from the thing, um, it winds up being. You know, too far away can Well, not, yeah, you can make it sticky or cutesy or work. whatever. No, I agree. And that's why you I know. feel like that's where I believe the, the talent lies. Did you ever hear like Frank Sinatra or Elvis Presley did it a lot, but Frank Sinatra or some other lounge singers would do contemporary songs right. from that time, like the 70s. I heard Louis Prima do Spinning Wheel one time. What goes up must come down. Right. There's a live version of him doing Split Spinning Wheel. the Spinning Wheel. Yeah. Which is almost that kind of music anyway. It's got horns and everything right. in it. But it's funny that Sinatra would do, like Elvis would do Beatles songs. Right. Um, there's a bunch of performers that would do that. And the other funny thing about it is it's the cover thing. I don't like the idea of cover, the term cover, because there's so many great performers that did, made gold records, like Linda Ronstadt didn't write, I mean, she may have written songs, but she's only known for doing other people's songs. Right. Frank Sinatra is a great one. Tom Jones is a great one. You know, there's a lot when of I, singers, when, and there's a lot of contemporary singers that have songwriting, they're participating in the process, but there's a bunch of other people involved in the process. Right. So it's really... Well, it's interesting, Linda Ronstadt, because Don't I Make My Brown Eyes Blue is like, to me, like, I'm like in the back seat of my parents' car. Like, there was this time in the 70s where there was pretty sad stuff on, yeah. the, on the radio. She was a superstar, too. Oh, yeah. Wow. So, um, oh, you made me think of something else, and now it's gone. Well, it'll probably come back to me, but in the meantime... I like to finish up with what I call the Atlanta favorites quiz. That are- this, my, this mic screen <laughs> smells like a, a holiday candle. I can't believe you smelled that because if you think, think about it, it's probably disgusting. Before you, I know what I want to remember. So how did you decide for your sh- sh- Christmas song you sang at an REM uh, themed tribute show? Oh yeah. Um, that was wild. Um, so they, uh, so Valina, the Puddles only did the Atlanta show, right? Not the so Athens show. At the Athens show, Puddles was going to do. Um, Puddles was going to do. Um, uh, Everybody hurts, and he's got this interesting arrangement. But it does depart from the REM original arrangement. And that and that one's like ding 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 ding. It's really groovy, and it's it's a really weird song once you get into the mechanics of it, because right. it does a bunch of weird. It's got a really a bunch of cool left turns in it right. that you don't expect. And there, there's a moment in the song where you say, now it's time to sing along, and you think it's going to be a sing along thing, and it is sort of, but it isn't. I love that. It's it really, it's it's like the the fly in the ointment of pop a pop song. It's not predictable right so anyway 
So, but, but we came up with an arrangement when during the 2020 kind of lockdown days where Puddles was doing some stream shows and he came up with this crazy, this cool arrangement on organ and it's really, it's, but it's very, very beautiful. Which, by the way, at his live show, he performs the song and the imagery behind him is all, uh, it's all um, uh, walking dead footage <laughs> because Puddles finds something really sad about the walking dead zombies. Yeah. They're trapped. And they just don't know. They're just stuck. And they're just having the shittiest day. And then, and what's funny is because in, in The Walking Dead, they're so dehumanized. Right. And just blow I, their heads off, it's whatever. It's a really sad story. Right. Um, so, so the people are the monsters, which I guess that's the, the idea of that story. Right. This people are monsters. And people are afraid of clowns. Good. Go figure that. Go figure. So, um... So anyway, so Puddles is going to do Everybody Hurts. And, um, and the previous night in Athens, this guy, he, he performed it, and it was like other next level. Right. And, it, and I agree with him. It, don't let the clown come out there and fuck it up. So, so we were discussing it, and there wasn't really anything else in the works. Um, Puddles had another uh, uh, REM song, but that was going to be done as well. So... So we approached them about saying, well, it's right around Christmas time. And they're, why don't we just turn this into the clown moment where, you know, every show around Christmas time has to have the, oh, who let the dogs in? I'm sorry. I can't believe it. I never, nobody ever calls me. I'm sorry. I was frightened. That screwed up. It did frighten me. So, um, so that was, uh, so, so we decided there needs to be a compulsory holiday song in the show. So Paulo's had this idea. What if David Cross comes out and says, you know, folks, this has been such a beautiful night of REM music, but I think it's a little heavy on the REM. Right. So let's break it up a little bit. And Puddles is going to do the compulsory holiday tune. Right. And so when we all showed up to the event, we met with David and he said, since we're, it's a live stream, um, what if we say, we've been getting a lot of comments on the live stream <laughs> right. that, hey, take it easy on the REM song. Right. It's a little heavy. Right. So we're going to break it up. So he chimed in a little bit. And that was really, that was a, that made it even funnier. That was a good, funny addition to the thing. So that's why we decided what child it is. And it's also epic. I personally think when I watch him do it, it's really like, it's conflicting because it's really beautiful. And it's a really, you know, at the end of it, um, Puddles is singing in his big opera voice, and there's some on the track. We have some a couple of other. That's more Puddles and a friend of ours, Heather Witt, who's an opera singer. So it's no, 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 yo, yo, yo. It's scary. It's like Trans Siberian Orchestra sounding thing, and it's beautiful and it's big. And it's crazy and it's hilarious at the same time. And I love those two forces smashing together. Is this supposed to be serious? And I love it when people... I think you confuse the audience. I think you weren't sure what the hell to do with it. I think when people say, is this supposed to be serious? Our response is, well, that questions are great. Right. But you're not entitled to an answer to well, your question. And isn't, and isn't that always like what it is? Like, what are you, what are you supposed to make what of this? What do you this? want? I mean, you're which you're we short-circuiting. Hate, we hate that answer, but we really... So I just watched... Did you see Triangle of Sadness? Oh, yes. <laughs> So just watched that with my wife, blown the fuck away. Yeah. The first five minutes 
of yeah. him with the you know the guy walking around and yeah. making them do do H&M now do yeah. like just that that whole thing I was like what what movie are we watching because I didn't know what it was right. I didn't know it was about a fucking boat right right and that to me is kind of the best kind of movies when you think you're watching somebody's story but you're actually that's not the story you're watching you're right. watching this guy's story or that guy's story right. and man when that spoiler alert if you haven't watched this movie stop now when she says there toilet cleaner here captain I was like you know what I mean? We love it when the rich get theirs. We fucking love it. I do. Yeah. I'm like, and whoever that actress is just fucking nailed it. Right. Right? She's just sitting there eating the fish. And she turns who's, into a complete jerk. Who's, who's captain? Who's captain? Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, but again, that's a whole... Do you watch Severance? Yeah. Uh, no. Dude. I just don't. I don't know why I don't. I just don't. Okay. I would highly recommend Severance. I avoided it for a while. I would put it on the same level. And it's, there's a lot more like obvious, like, well, clearly this is a, this is a message about work and cults and like there's a lot of stuff but triangle of sadness was fucking amazing i didn't know i'd never heard of the movie right had no i no hype about it at all i got a screener because i'm in the screen actors guild uh i got a screener for it like a kind of a while ago and so we didn't know anything about it and then and then my gal she said I read about something about this movie. We need to watch it. And I watched it, and I'm not kidding. At the beginning of the movie, I'm like, this is kind of interesting, but, you know, I'm going to put on Andor. Oh, but see, I, watch I, was, I was in right away. I, I couldn't pull, and then it, re, it started revealing itself to me. Right. You know, over the layers, I'm like, oh, my God. And I couldn't, couldn't look away. And then it was like several movies right. in one. Well, can we talk about the ending then? Can we and the hilarity... Of the ship, right? Was like I'm not. Gonna, that was that was Buster Keaton, Charlie <laughs> Chaplin. So, but and it turns out like this guy makes a bunch of movies like this. So now my wife and I are going to find the other movies. But so literally the last scene, right, is our is our young handsome man running through. So I have an opinion about what I think happened. What do you think happened? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Rosebud right. is a sled. Rosebud is a sled. Well. uh yeah, watch that movie. Send in your comments and your DMs to me uh, because I thought that thing was fucking fascinating. All right, so now we will get... DM sounds dirty. I know, but it's, Doesn't what, people, it? it's what they do. Slide of the DMs is dirty. But, well, but, slide, that makes it like twice as dirty. Almost, almost makes it not dirty again. DMs by itself. So we're going to do the Atlanta favorites quiz where there are no wrong answers. Okay. Okay, Big Mike. You can actually answer. You can answer for both people if you want. It's up to you. I'm going to ask you, and you can do whatever you want with it. Okay. What is your go-to order at Waffle House? Pecan waffle. Anything else? Coffee. You probably drink coffee black like a real man. I do. I do like a cortado, though. Oh, cool. Cortado. Uh, like a Spanish latte. I like a uh, cortado. A cortado. Bit of a cortado. With oat milk. Because <laughs> I'm vegan. What is uh, your current favorite place to eat in Atlanta? Oh man, I don't, I don't have one. I need suggestions. Okay. I don't go out to eat. I, I don't go out to eat. Isn't that strange? No, I, I don't eat out very often, but I, I bring my lunch from home. I don't remember the last time I, I had a meal in a restaurant in Atlanta. Hmm. I don't recall. Maybe. Maybe one of your listeners could slide into my DMs. Oh. 
Hey now. I think I did think I wanted to be a DJ as a kid. I really actually did speaking. We were talking about not knowing what we wanted. I think, but I, and there might be some other universe where like I go that traditional route of like getting the small job at the small station to eventually having like my own show. But yeah, turns out this is, this is the route that I took to get here. Yeah. Um, can you do the, the morning FM voice? Uh, good morning, everybody. Five seventeen. We're gonna get you the weather and the sports. I don't know, whatever. But first, coming up is a doctor and the Gator and the Madman. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, I think actually, Mike, Mike. I think Bob Cross and those guys. They had some bit of back then. It was like it's Dick and Balls in the morning. I'm Harry Dick and I'm Freddie Balls. <laughs> yeah. I think SNL did a funny thing on that too once. Um. Uh, Restaurant, yeah, I wish I could okay, we'll add move on. to that. Uh, it's okay. You know, you, you, you know. I don't know as an acceptable You know what I want it to be? Antico Pizza. Okay. But you've never been there? No. I, I want it to be like, oh, that's the place. Oh, it's, it doesn't have to be. There, like I said, there are no wrong answers. Uh, Kroger or Publix? Oh, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a Kroger guy. Okay. Yeah. Is there any in particular reason? No. Probably convenience to the home. Right. <laughs> Um, rank the Atlanta sports teams in importance to you. Oh, well, the what's the name of the curling team? We don't have one. Well, we ought to fix that. Uh, rate the Atlanta sports team. Uh, which one's the football team? That's the Falcons. That's the Falcons. Uh, which one's the baseball? Oh, it's the Braves. That's the right? Braves. Uh, what's the footy one, the soccer one? The soccer one is the United. Okay, it have to start with United. Okay. United... Uh, followed by um, the, uh, what's the hockey team? We don't really have one. No hockey. Jesus Christ. I'm really quite the sports guy. For did, a guy that wears sports Did, uh, did Puddles clothing, get to sing or something at the United game? No. You know, I sang the national anthem at a United game. Big Mike did. I did, yeah. And the um, what's funny because they were curious if I knew the Mexican national anthem. And have you ever listened to the Mexican Mexican national anthem? Uh, no. It's insane. Can we listen to it yeah, now? Yeah, you should listen to it. It's- hey Siri, play the Mexican national anthem. I found this on the web. I kind of thought that would happen. It would be the finding thing on the web thing. Let's just go to music. What's the web? <laughs> the web, like the internet. Oh, yeah. No, I don't, I don't have a landline. Who chooses, who chooses Puddles cover art? Uh, typically puddles. That's a Dave Stewart um, photograph, not Dave Stewart from the from Eurythmics. No, uh, no, he hasn't had any photos from that Dave Stewart yet. It's another Dave Stewart that lives here in town. Um, yeah, it's the sports. It's really beautiful. It sounds English. Is there is there words coming? There are words to it. I don't know if there's words on that one. Slightly different. Who's that that's singing? Roger Doucette. Wow, that's the old timey singing. It's like seven minutes long, right? Okay. 
I was looking for the words. I was going to have you hum along. but It's no. a long song. So the answer is no, you didn't know the words. I didn't. I said, uh, I said I, I'm not going to be able to get it together. I'm not that comfortable of singing in Spanish in front of a Spanish-speaking audience. I, I thought they might throw stuff at me. Right. So I stuck to the national anthem. But I did a Braves. Okay. I did a Braves uh, game um, when they were playing the Mets. That's a baseball team. And again, is this Mike or Puddles? Oh, Mike, Mike, yeah. Yeah, me. Yeah. Puddles, I, I think it would be funny if Puddles, I think it'd be awesome if Puddles did the national anthem, but I think a lot of teams would be kind of shy, you know, not really into it for fear of backlash from the fans. Just thinking that Puddles is making fun of it, which he's not. He's just singing it. Right. But, okay. you know, big giant clown coming out singing the national anthem. Um, and then I also did, uh, what was the hockey team again? We don't have one. No, what was it used to be called? The Flames? No, it was the, it was the other team. They, 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 were, they were a bird or something. What was <laughs> it? Thrashers. Thrashers, that's right. <laughs> they were a bird or something. Something. It was hockey. I like saying hockey. Like Why that. do you say like, it like, like that? Canadians say it, hockey. I, I hung out with this guy uh, for a cup of coffee a few days ago in L.A. Right. Um, who is Canadian? What's your favorite place to eat in L.A.? Oh man, my favorite place. There's uh, Lotus Vegan is one of my favorites. It's over. It's in the valley. Um, it's uh, I guess it would be North Hollywood. Right. Um, Follow your heart. Okay. Which is up in Canoga Park. Okay. Oh man, they're the people that that created veganaise, the vegan mayonnaise. Wow. And also they have a bunch of you know like cheese, like vegan cheeses and right. salad dressing. I'm not kidding. It's a long drive from where where where. I am in uh, L.A., but it's worth the drive. They have a, a vegan chicken pot pie that will just curl your toes. What, what, where do you stay when you're in L.A.? Uh, I stay at the Laurel Canyon House. The Laurel Canyon House. The Laurel, I refer to it as the Laurel Canyon House. Is it, does it have like spooky memories from like 70s, 80s Laurel Canyon musicians vibe? Not so much, but it's a really neat street because uh, there's, you know, David Byrne used to live down the street. Right. Uh, the... Uh, a bunch of people associated with the Beatles and what was that cool? There was a cool coffee shop breakfast spot. It's a friend. I stay with a friend when I'm out there. Well, <laughs> I, I whatever. But I'm saying there was a cool coffee shop right there. Anyway, back to Atlanta. Oh, it's at the uh, Laurel Canyon, uh, the country store. Is it still there? That little coffee. There's a yeah. Little there used coffee to be an A meeting there on Sundays or Saturdays. Oh uh, uh, yeah, on the patio. Well, it was downstairs. It might be a new place now. Who okay. fucking knows? No, Laurel I've lived there. And- the country store is still there. Okay, back to Atlanta, though. So I've have I've, I got a dozen more restaurants in L.A. that I love to go to. Okay, we'll talk about that <laughs> off mic, as we say in the business. Uh, what is the best concert you've ever seen in Atlanta? Uh, Flaming Lips at Centennial Olympic Park. Love it. I was not anticipating enjoying it that much. I like Flaming Lips, okay. But I saw them, and I could not believe it was a free concert, too. It blew my mind. You know, jumping back to uh, the Everybody Hurts song that we saw that night, uh, it's funny because before that, he sang, what did he sing right before it? Something more rockin'. Right. And so when he started that one, I thought, well, that's kind of odd because it's kind of a downer after hearing what, like, it just seemed like that would be the weird progression. But then, like, a minute into it, it was like, oh, wow. Yeah. David something? I feel so bad. Right. I feel so bad. His name's David. His name is David, but... um, I forget his last name. Anyway, uh, yeah, that was pretty fucking amazing. So if you want to hear an amazing song. Yeah, it was really beautiful. And when he came off stage, you know, Puddles was like, yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Totally agree. Nice. That was such an awesome hang that night, too. 
Yeah, it was great from the audience, and then it was great for about five minutes for me before I got embarrassed and weird, didn't know what to say to all these famous people that I like. Oh, yeah. And then I got weird about it. If it was during the day, it would have been. If it was a day concert, I would have been on it. I would have made a bunch of little videos with people like, hey, can we do a quick thing? And um, uh, Okay, the final question is, uh, who should I have next on the Atlanta podcast? Oh, the Atlanta podcast. Have you had... It's so funny. Um, Have you had Killer Mike on? (sighs) I have not had Killer Mike. He's at the top of the... Would love to have Killer Mike on. I think Killer Mike would be out of sight. I just love his whole thing. Me Um, too. Who can we talk to to make that happen? I don't know. He's on the top of my get list. I don't know him. Uh, I've never... I don't... I've never, never even met him, but I just am so enamored with his whole thing you're two guys named mike and you're both big you should hang he's a hero what if you guys did a song together uh oh i would love that what if mike and mike instead of david and david what if it was mike and mike i would love that have you have you talked to um to any of those cats over at adult swim no casper kelly would be a great one he's i did talk to lucky yates does that count lucky yates is fantastic okay i talked to him does he count as he's such a funny guy yeah he was good you know who would be really cool to talk to is Raymond Carr. Why is that name he's familiar? A, he's a puppeteer. All right, let's make that. Can we he's make that happen? Really, do you know him? Can really make, groovy guy. Can we make that happen? Do you I know do, him? I do. All right, yeah. let's make it happen. Now, remember, because remember, this is how you ended up on the show. Is because, yeah. because one Kevin Kidney said you'd be great. Raymond Carr, he's, um, <clears throat> he does a lot over at the Center for Puppetry Arts. Right. We're talking about a thing, possibly collaboration oh. with Puddles. Ooh. Um, it's kind of, it's definitely in the very earliest of stages. Um, maybe Eric Idle will be involved in it. Well, now, you know, you know, if you spend time in LA, you're not supposed to drop names unless it's really about to happen. You just oh, drop I, fucking I, Eric I, Idle. I, I say drop names all, yeah, drop names. Okay. Nobody's going to drop them for you, man. You got to use it or lose it. All right. Well, I'm going to post right now that I met you. Now, if you say it like, uh, well, Mick and I. I'm Mick Jagger. Right. If you say it like that, then you you're should. then you're douchey. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Eric Idle must be getting up there, dude. Yeah, he's still he's man, hilarious guy. I met him at a gig, um, and uh, he's just the sweetest, approachable guy. Um, that's the funny thing about the clown. Um, I uh, I don't meet anybody. I meet everyone through the clown. Right. Through puddles. Right. So because they're you know one, he doesn't talk. So it's really, he can't screw it up. Right. It's usually, you know, talking is what screws everything up sometimes. Don't you think sometimes? Well, I feel like we could spend another hour with Saying that the wrong one. thing, not saying the right thing or whatever, you know, and, and everybody's in their own sort of rhythms when they're together. So you, if you meet the right person at the right time and you say the right thing, it works out. But one of those variables is off your, you know, so... That's the cool thing about Puddles. He meets these groovy people. Dick Van Dyke. Another guy that's in his hundreds. Yeah. I never had a conversation with Dick Van Dyke. That would be fun. But yeah, so it's kind of interesting how the people... He's... Um, we're, maybe that's what... We're going to start a podcast. Uh, a Puddle. It won't be Puddles. It'll, I'll do it for Puddles. Okay. But it'll be uh, all these really fascinating characters that, um, that I get to meet through Puddles. Maybe that's what the podcast will be about. All right. Well, clearly, Tell I've shown story. you in a fantastic example of how to do an amazing podcast, so you don't need anything This else is here. fantastic. And you can go anywhere. You, you could do go, this. You could do this from the comfort of your own home. You could do it to, in a car? You could do it in a car. Have I've you been, ever done it in a car? Have I interviewed people in a car? No, I, mean, I have. Podcast? I have. 
like on oh, a yeah. drive back from something. I've, yeah. I've I've done that. Yeah, these things are amazing. This makes you sound like a professional. Oh, Remember, Mister Microphone. Oh yeah. Hey, good luck, and we'll be back to pick you up later. <laughs> <laughs> I should hang out with people older than me more often because I haven't heard that phrase in so long. And for young people, it's all new material. Right? Yeah. I mean, actually, now you probably couldn't say that. You can't. You get canceled for driving by a pretty girl in a bikini and saying, hey, baby, I'll be back to pick you up later. Unless it was something, you could do it to like dogs or like an animal. Like it would be really funny to do, drive by coyotes. Like a coyote, because coyotes is a thing. Remember when coyotes wasn't a thing here? I don't know what you're talking about. There's coyotes is a thing now in this part of the country. Like you hear about, oh, there's coyotes, like out where I live. There's coyotes. You can hear them at night. I'm like, I've lived here a long time, and I never heard coyotes. It wasn't more like, it wasn't more like that? No, no. You don't know about the coyote thing? I just thought we would get into a whole radio play thing now. No, it was more like, come on, come on, come on. Yeah, you know about there's coyote. There's a coyote situation. I don't know. If Maybe it's you could play a very tall mo. Has anybody ever given you that? Oh, you know, I I have to be curly. I That's what I meant. Curly. curly. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, you were doing yeah. curly sounds, and I thought mo. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to do curly. You know who did curly in a movie? It was Will Sasso. Oh, he's perfect. Yeah, he's perfect. There's a movie with him as curly. Yeah, I think so. I think he did the Three Stooges movie. Do you know him? Well, in, in, so, I, a little bit. So we really do have to get going, but I do remember the Three Stooges movie, uh, Sean Penn was going to be Larry. Remember this? It was oh, like, yeah. holy shit, this is going to be amazing, and then it didn't happen. Yeah. Maybe he couldn't get the voice. No, I, I know. I'm just, he has a very specific voice. Hello, Mo. <laughs> Hello, Mo. Stop it, Curly. Maybe you could do all the Stooges. That's your radio play. That's, um, that's, uh, is that, uh, it's, that's Ren's voice from Ren and Stimpy. Remember Ren and Stimpy? Yeah, but that's what isn't that Billy West? That's Billy West, but it's really a la- it's a, it's Larry, it's Larry from Three Stooges voice. Right. Stop you, it, Mo. Do you know Billy West? No, I mean uh, social Are you, media. Do you know anybody? I, I mean, really? I can list all the people I know if you want me to. This would be called name dropping. There's a segment <laughs> of the show we call name dropping. Glad we did this, dude. Hey, thanks a lot. This was a lot of fun. This was fun, right? I, I think so. Okay, so this is the show. <laughs> I'm hitting stop. <laughs> So there you have it. Thank you again, Big Mike, for spending some time with me. I think we got along pretty well. I hope to see him again at something soon. I think we just might do that. I think we might hang or go to something. I think I think an actual bond was formed there. Sometimes a guest comes and goes, and it is what it is. Sometimes you really uh, you really connect with a dude, and I think we connected. And uh, I'm so glad he and I got to do that. And thank you for those of you that have been listening. Please do follow us, ATL Podcast and Instagram. Drop a note there. Let us know, hey, I listened to the Big Mike episode. Hey, I listened to the Kevin Kinney episode. Hey, I listened to the 404 Coffee episode. And I wanted to drop you a note that I appreciated it. Always love to hear from you all out there. And if you've got a guest you want to suggest, always happy to hear that as well. Love you. Miss you. Mean it. I have got to run. <laughs>